I'm Audrey Cooper, Editor-in-Chief of the San Francisco Chronicle, and you're listening to Fifth Emission. Officials in Sacramento made a lot of news on Tuesday with regard to how the state might tackle the coronavirus and resulting economic hardship. Governor Gavin Newsom has announced some steps towards reopening restaurants, stores, and malls. You can find details of that on sfchronicle.com. But the legislature is also beginning discussions about how the state budget can ease the pain of people who are out of work or underemployed due to the shelter in place. Leaders in the state Senate have proposed a massive economic relief package, a major part of which is a rent stabilization effort. And joining me to talk about this is Alexi Kosov in our Sacramento Bureau. Alexi, um, we started 2020 with a totally different budgetary outlook. Give us an idea of how everything has changed over time. You could say basically that the bottom fell out of what was looking to be a very, very rosy budget situation. Coming in January, the governor unveiled a budget plan that had a $6 billion surplus built in. We were thinking we were going to be able to pay down debt, to uh, expand some programs like um, healthcare for undocumented immigrants, homeless services, things like that, and still have some money left over to put into our rainy day fund. And instead, it's looking like the d- there's going to be a deficit in the tens of billions of dollars that the Department of Finance for the state is uh, projecting it will be $54 billion through the end of the next fiscal year. So that could mean something entirely different, you know, massive cuts, tax increases, who knows, but it's going to be a huge hole to climb out of instead of, you know, sitting pretty riding on, on record high tax revenues. I think anyone who's lived in California for at least 10 years can remember what that felt like the last time we had multi-billion dollar deficits. We were supposed to get this rainy day fund that would help stabilize the state. Is that not and is there not enough money in the fund to help us through this period? So that was created, that rainy day fund was created about six years ago, and they have done a pretty good job of actually setting money aside. It has about $16 billion in it. And that's great, except for the fact that the shortfall is several times that size. So if this were a moderate recession, the rainy day fund might be enough to help get us through. But that rainy day fund will probably be used up in two years flat. They can only use up to half of it in the first year. And so they're going to have to figure out all kinds of other things to do in order to to get us through this time. I will say we're we're in a better situation than we were a decade ago because there was a whole lot of debt and other things that California was sitting on at that time that made the response even trickier than just dealing with the shortfall. They have addressed some of those financial management issues with things like the rainy day fund over the past decade to get us into a more solid place. So while we're facing down this huge number, it could be worse. Well, that's strange 
soulless, I guess. What, you know, normally the budget discussions, I remember when I was a cub reporter learning what the May revise was and what a horrible day in Sacramento <laughs> it was for every reporter. Uh, the discussions are not the same as they usually are right now, are they? No, by in a, a typical year, this conversation about the budget would have been ongoing for months now. The legislature would have laid out its own priorities for things it would want to see. There would have been hearings. And we'd be at a phase right now where all of the different parties would be coming together to try and negotiate a compromise. Under the state constitution, they have to pass a balanced budget by June 15th or the let the lawmakers give up their their paychecks. So instead, the legislature has just come back from this month and a half long recess, uh, emergency recess, where very little work, um, you know, of that sort of planning has been able to occur. And now they've got essentially a month to figure out how they're going to balance this budget with this huge hole in it. And so people are starting to throw ideas out there and the process is going to have to happen on an extremely accelerated timeline. But isn't it also a question of how much, if any, help the state might get from the federal government? Well, that is absolutely the biggest question that everybody is wondering right now. People are hoping and quite frankly counting on the federal government to come through with a stimulus package for state and local governments. The Uh, Governor Gavin Newsom and state lawmakers have basically been pleading, you know, they wouldn't put it in those terms. But at this point, I would say it's probably fair to say because they've, you know, they've made public requests at press conferences. They signed a letter uh, with four other states yesterday, you know, asking for a bailout. And California, I think, is asking for thirty three billion dollars. And state gov- uh, local governments are asking for for money on top of that as well. So it's a question of, you know, it's a big question mark when we're Republicans in Washington, D.C. don't want to provide that kind of funding, whether the state will get anything. And if they don't, or even if they get much less than this $33 billion they're asking for, that's only going to make their jobs even harder over the next month. So how is the state going to do this while also giving people more economic assistance, more, um, more, more of everything. Those plans are starting to trickle out now. And it's a combination, it's going to be a combination of cuts and deferring payments on things that they can put off and some pretty radical ideas that folks are starting to throw out there. There were a few that came from Senate Democrats today. One would try and create an incentive for taxpayers who are doing okay right now, who have the means to pay some of their future state income taxes ahead of time. And it would give them a little bit of a discount on those taxes and they would get a voucher that they could apply to their, you know, to tax returns a couple years down the line when the state is hopefully doing better. And that would basically allow the state to build up this fund of cash that could be used on, you know, 
closing funding shortfalls for schools or providing rental assistance to tenants who are struggling, providing money for small businesses to hire workers back. You know, the the, the idea is sort of loose right now and the details of it would, would still have to come together. But that's just one of the, you know, you don't see that kind of thing in a typical budget. So um, they, they're really desperate why, right now. Why would I want to pay my taxes early? That just seems like it goes against everything my CPA father has ever told me. What would I get out of it? Exactly. I mean, you would get a little bit, you would get a little bit of a discount essentially on your, um, on, on a future tax The the way the state is imagining it right now, they're trying to raise $25 billion, but it would cost them $30 billion down the line. But there's, there's such a desperation to get cash now that they're willing to sort of take away those revenues from future years and, and try and put them now. I think, I mean, it remains to be seen where whether anyone would be willing to do that, certainly. But, you know, I think there's a bit of also hope that people who are able could, you know, are, are sort of have that sense of, of community to like invest in the state in the way you might invest in a, in a bond you know, or other kinds of program, you know, government finance programs like that. Interesting. So the money that this would raise would help a variety of causes. And in your story that we have on sfchronicle.com right now, um, you detail things like homeless services and education. There are also some things in there that I, I, I don't understand what they have to do with the coronavirus, like clean energy investments. Why, why such a hodgepodge of stuff that this would go to? Yeah, I mean, it's in the early enough stages that, you know, we don't have any figures that we could, uh, you know, say would go this much money would go to this or anything like that. Right now, these are just the things that they've suggested could potentially be paid for with a program like this. But the idea is that it would be an economic relief fund, a way to get the economy moving again. And for Democrats in Sacramento who have, put so much energy over the last two decades to make California a leader on clean energy and climate change and things like that, certainly you're going to see that space always be a part of any discussion about trying to salvage the state economy. So that's probably, you know, that's probably the kind of, um, it, it would probably, you know, if this gets somewhere closer to passing, that that would be a point of contention, I would imagine, with Republicans and others who might see that as sort of a handout to a favored, a favored segment of the economy. I'm speaking with Capitol reporter Alexi Kosef. Uh, when we come back from this break, Alexi, I want to ask you about this rent program and also about uh, the chances of us facing tax increases because of this budget deficit. We'll be right back after this. Alexi, before we went to break, we were talking about um, a, a lot of problems we have with our state budget, but the Senate proposal that was released on Tuesday, um, it, it also had some pretty, I think, pretty intriguing ideas about how we might help renters in the state. Can you explain in general terms what that proposal would do? 
This is one of several rent relief ideas that's floating out there, but it's one that would allow the state to help people without taking a bunch of money out of the state budget right now. And that's something that's really crucial is not is that they're looking for solutions that won't cost them in the immediate. So this one would essentially say for landlords and tenants who are willing to come to a mutual agreement with the state to uh, forgive however many months of rent that the tenant can't pay because they've lost their job or have some other financial hardship during the coronavirus pandemic, then the state would give a tax credit in an equal amount to the landlord that they could use over the course of about a decade, starting in 2024. And then during that same period, the renters would pay back what they owe in their back rent directly to the state. So the idea is to keep people in their homes, still compensate landlords, and also get the money back eventually so that it doesn't cost the state too much. It's it's possible if they did something like this, there could be people who would be forgiven completely because they can't pay the money back. But, uh, you know, it's it's a very different approach from some of the other ideas we've seen floating out there, which would just have the state front the money to landlords uh, to cover a certain amount of of the rent that their tenants owe, or others that would just put a flat eviction ban in place for however many months in order to keep people in their homes. This is trying to come up with a way that would benefit both landlords and tenants. Uh, It's it's very interesting. Um, what are the chances of these programs getting through the legislature? Do you anticipate they'll be changed quite significantly as the negotiations proceed? That's that's a really hard thing to say at this point because these are such radical ideas. And it's very possible that the assembly and the governor may have their own big plans for how to move forward that are coming down the pipeline. The governor is going to be putting out his own proposals for how to deal with the budget on Thursday. And the assembly mentioned in a memo this week that they're looking at some combination of cuts or even potentially tax increases to get us through this. So there's going to be all kinds of ideas floating out there. And this was, this is certainly a something to take seriously. It comes from the Senate leadership itself, uh, Senate President Pro Tem Tony Atkins and the Senate budget chair and and several of her, you know, uh, close members all unveiled this together. So it's it's not just some fringe member putting this out there. This this has the force of of people with political juice behind it. And why did why is it important that they release this before the governor comes out with his own proposal? What are the politics bet- behind that? This whole coronavirus response has been dictated by Governor Gavin Newsom. When the lo- legislature went into an emergency recess back in March, right as this 
crisis was really hitting and this the stay-at-home order took effect, it essentially created this vacuum in Sacramento for the governor to act. And there's definitely some frustration in some corners of the legislature that they essentially gave up their power to direct the state's response to this pandemic and to come up with solutions and to figure out how to deal with this. So by putting this proposal out there a couple of days ahead of time of the governor's proposal, it's setting down a marker and trying to create some parameters around the negotiations that are going to happen in San, in uh, Sacramento, where it's not just the legislature responding to Gavin Newsom once again. It's the legislature proactively getting out there and putting their own ideas on the table. How is this going to get paid for? Because it, it seems like every time, again, being cynical, but every time we have a budget issue, we talk about reducing the size of government, and it, it never really seems like that happens. Is that being seriously considered? The size of government itself or the size of the programs? Because it it's the last thing that people want to do right now is to cut social services, to cut health care, to cut all these things that people are going to need more than ever during a crisis like this one. That said, it may happen, but they're looking for any way to get through this that is not going to involve doing that. And in particular, because the the legislature is so dominated by Democrats now, there is even less desire to make those cuts. They're, uh, they've got a lot of political allies who would be hurt, you know, unions and things like that. Whose, whose members staff these programs and, and who would lose their own jobs potentially if the state starts making massive cuts to, to home health aids or to uh, child care services, all kinds of things like that. The, the government itself, that, that's you know, very potentially on the line. During the, during the last recession a decade ago, you know, State workers saw furloughs and pay freezes and and things like that, and um, so they they won't like it. But that may that may be a, a little bit more politically palatable. And what about tax cuts? Uh, I mean, excuse me, tax increases. It it seems like you know when you're when you're not raising enough money that there's. Um, there's part of it is you cut back your spending, but the other part is you go out there and you get new taxes somehow. What are the new tax proposals that we might see? You can, it's, it, this is California, so you can always count on there certainly being tax proposals that are in the ether. But one of the things to consider is that this is an election year and it's already hard enough as it is to, you know, raise taxes with a two thirds majority of both houses. And in an election year, people are going to be even more skittish about it. So that sort of that creates a political dynamic that's very hard to overcome. Uh, you've also had lawmakers who've gotten out here, including the Senate pro tem Tony Atkins today, who said they don't they don't want to raise taxes on the middle class at a time when people are hurting. So if you're going to see any tax increases, they'll probably be more narrow and pointed at the wealthiest Californians or even some corporations, which is 
you know, a little bit more uh, within the kind of messaging wheelhouse for Democrats in this day and age to sort of say that they're taking on, you know, they're taking on the rich and trying to, to, you know, bridge that divide of, of inequality. Doesn't mean that there's going to be enough support to pass anything. And, and, you know, we haven't actually seen any real proposals out there yet, but the assembly budget committee did say that those, you know, that option is on the table and, and you have to imagine that they're looking at all kinds of options right now. So the next thing we have to look forward to is the governor coming out with his proposal on Thursday. Is that the next step here? Yes. And I should mention, actually, that there is at least one proposed tax increase in there. It's uh, he, he did confirm that it still contains a tax increase on vape, uh, on, on electronic cigarettes and, and vapes and things like that, that was um, that was proposed in January. So um, I, I couldn't tell you exactly how much it is, but, uh, you know, if you smoke, uh, if, you, if you vape, then that's something to keep an eye out for. <laughs> it would have to be a pretty massive tax hike oh, yeah, to no, come it's, up uh, with. It's not going to close any, it's not going to close the whole budget, uh, the whole budget deficit, but they're going to be trying to squeeze out every dollar that they can with, with, a, with a deficit this large. Great. Well, we'll look forward to your stories on sfchronicle.com later this week about that. Yeah, I will be here. (laughs) I'll be here covering it. Thanks, Alexi. Thank you to Alexi Kosa for being with me today. Thank you to Karen Creighton for producing this episode. And as always, thank you for listening. Fifth Emission is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. If you like this podcast, please consider becoming a financial supporter of the largest newsroom in Northern California. You can sign up for a San Francisco Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod.